Welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show, people. Okay? It is Sunday. It is another great adventure that we're about to embark on. Okay? But before I tell you where we're going, I'm Dusty McBalls. I am the certified cougar hunter. And I am the man with the biggest set of testicles. Okay? I am a little sick, alright? I'm coming down with a little bit of a sore throat and a headache, so if I sound a little wonky, that's why, okay? But on today's episode, we are going to Italy, specifically Milan, around the Milan, you know, area. This is going to be an interesting episode, okay? On today's episode, it is going to be about the beasts of Satan, and this is a weird, weird, you know, thing that we've got going on. Okay, but before we get into it, put those God-forsaken, goddamn adventure Crocs on, strap them in adventure mode. That sounded weird. I hated the way I said that. Didn't really work, but we're going, all right? Get a drink. It's going to be a long little flight over there, all right? Don't want you, you know, don't want your stomach to be hurting. Have a little snack. Have a little drink, okay? And let's just get on with this wonderful, weird, you know, episode, okay? So, the Beasts of Satan, for anyone that, you know, doesn't know who they are, I didn't know who they are, who they are, who they are, but they're an Italian heavy metal rock band and are an alleged satanic worshipping cult that have, like, committed a string of like ritualistic murders from 1998 to 2004 and they were you know a little little fucked up okay but before you know we get into them like officially i need to give you guys like a little bit of a backstory on why this band this group this cult made you know headlines over in italy so you know how in like the United States in like the 80s and 90s there was like a satanic panic? And if you didn't know about said satanic panic in the US, let me just, you know, refresh your little brain synapses for a second, okay? Remember when the Warrens, you know, first came out and like first were put on the map and what made them known and all of their like, you know, the shit that they did, remember, it was that Amityville bullshit that they, you know, the whole devil made me do it, and that whole investigation that they lied about, and everything like that, well, even though that was pre-1980, I think it was like 1977, it kind of started a little bit of a movement, a little bit of, you know, got the ball rolling towards that, you know, satanic panic in the 80s and 90s. But what really, really kicked it off was in 1980, there was a book released by a Canadian author named Lawrence Padzer. And this book is called Michelle Remembers. And in this book, it talks about his patient, Michelle Smith, and the trauma that she, you know, suffered as a child at the hands of a group of Satanists. So... I, you know, I didn't read this entire book. I'm strictly going off 
of like a summary page that I found on like the internet. And no, it wasn't Spark Notes, but to basically summarize this entire book, Michelle was given away to a group of Satanists by her mom at the age of five, where she was used to basically demonically raise Satan himself. And I guess this book also talks about like ritualistic chantings, wounds that appeared on Michelle's skin, and even the most famous and most wonderful of all things satanic, human and animal sacrifices. It also talks about how, you know, she escaped and survived living in this cult. Now, after this book was published, and was, you know, stocked at your local Barnes and Nobles, Nobles, Barnes and Noble, people flooded to buy this book. And for the people that read, you know, read this story and heard about Michelle Smith, you know, what a lot of people took away from it is that most Satanists are pedophiles. So if anyone in like the 80s and 90s had like a pedophilia charge or were, you know, prowling around and looking for that, you know, the nice succulent prepubescent child, ew, that was disgusting. I'm sorry, that was gross. But, you know, they were automatically labeled as a Satanist. And another piece of fuel that added to this like satanic panic fire was Richard Ramirez. And if you're wondering, you know, like, oh, I know about Richard Ramirez, but I don't know a whole lot about him, or, like, how is he linked to the satanic panic? It's because after, you know, he committed his victims, murdered said people, he, his little thing, you know how every serial, serial killer has that, you know, thing that they do? Well, he would leave behind pentagrams on, you know, the victim's skin, or on said wall behind where victim was laying, right? He would also allegedly tell his victims before they were murdered to say, swear to Satan instead of saying, swear to God. And on top of that, we also can't forget the time, you know, after he got caught for his crimes that he, when he pleaded not guilty and said as he was leaving the courtroom, hail Satan. So, those are just a few examples of this whole, like, U.S.-based satanic panic. And you can see why it kind of started. Like, it's not, you know, it's, it's right when, you know, the paranormal and the idea of ghosts being real that just started this whole devil-worshipping pandemic and partially to blame, because you guys know I hate the Warrens, partially started because of the Warrens and what they fucking did, right? Even though it was all a hoax, but, you know, they're, you know, one of the people that really jump-started it, even though it was, you know, late 70s, which is, you know, God, I just fucking hate the Warrens. I'm sorry, I really, really hate the Warrens, okay? Now, even though, like, our, the U.S.-based satanic panic started to kind of dial down towards the late 90s, that doesn't mean it wasn't the same everywhere else. And it was really, really 
bad in Italy. And it really, like, it just, yeah, it just fucked really, really bad, like, hard. Like, just anally fucked Italy hard, okay? And the reason I think it was so, well, one of the reasons why I think it was so big over there and why it just fucking boomed like a tactical nuke just of Satanism just being dropped on them was because that they are still extremely Catholic, okay? And, you know, the whole, like, especially in the U.S., how they say Elvis Presley was, like, you know, devil's music and stuff like that. That's how heavy metal was in Italy. So, as the heavy metal scene started picking up in Italy... It really shocked, you know, Italy. Yeah, Italy. Sorry, I thought I was going somewhere with it, but yeah, it just shocked Italy. And it shocked it so bad to the point that Italy's police departments had this special task force that was called the Satan Squad. And this department was made, you know, in 2006. And it strictly started because of this group and the whole rise of Satanism because in Milan there was a heavy, like, movement towards metal music. And so people, you know, ignorant people not understanding metal music or truly listening to it, if you played metal music or you were in a metal band, they just assumed you were a Satanist. And it all truly started because of this group, this quote-unquote cult or this band or just whatever the fuck you want to call them the beasts of satan now like i said earlier the beasts of satan are a heavy metal band that are located in milan italy now in today's story i'm just going to give you guys you know our and our antagonists right off the fucking bat all right our main satanists in this band there's eight of them it was Andre Volpe, Nicola Sapone, Paolo Leone, Mario Mas... I'm going to butcher these names, so I'm sorry to my Italy viewers, but I'm going to butcher everything, like all these names and cities and stuff like that, so I apologize in advance, okay? Mario Massioni, I think is how you pronounce it, and then Pietro Guerreri, Marco Zampoli, Aero, Eros, Aero, Eros. Monterosso and Elisabetta Balaron. Now, the Hateful Eight, these people, this group loved metal music. And most of them played some sort of instrument. And because, you know, they were in a band together, right? But not all of them, you know. It's not, this band isn't what made them close. This isn't what made them, you know best friends what really made them love each other was their shared interest their shared love for sex drugs metal and even death now almost every night this group would link up and congregate at this bar called the midnight pub in milan which at the time was basically the epicenter for metal music in said city. And this is actually where our first murder happens to take place. So, strap in because it is going to be a wild 
wild fucking ride of gruesomeness and just dumb people, all right? So, on January 17th, 1998, 16-year-old Fabio Tolis, who is the basis for the Beast of Satan, and his 19-year-old girlfriend, Chiara Morano, went to the Midnight Pub to watch a show and, you know, hang out with, you know, other friends of that rock band, of the Beasts of Satan. And unfortunately, on that night, those two poor souls would never return home. At some point while they were at, you know, the Midnight Pub with their friends, Andre Volpe, who is kind of the head guy, it's shared power between him and Sapone, but Sapone, at the you at the end Sapone got hit harder with charges than Andre but the power is between Andre and fuck Sapone and Andre suggested to you know his group to the people that were around him that you know they should take this party somewhere else so Fabio his girlfriend Andre and the other seven members of this cult loaded up in their cars and made their way out of Milan to a secluded wood section in Somo Lombardo, which is roughly, I believe, 30 miles northwest of Milan. And once the group reached this certain section of the woods, they started drinking and they started doing more drugs. Now, while they were heavily under the influence, one of the group members told Andre that Mariano needed to be sacrificed and it's weird this is a stupid fucking reason okay it's really really dumb it's like it's it's stupid okay it's just stupid allegedly according to one of the members Andre saw Fabio as a threat to his power and Andre wanted to teach Fabio a lesson but then another group member would also say they killed Mariano because she looked like the Virgin Mary. So it's basically a whole fuck you thing to God, right? Like, hey, there's this girl that looks like the Virgin Mary. God, you put her here, I'm going to take her out. Kind of that situation, which makes more sense, I believe. But then again, they're all jacked up on, the, I don't know, drugs. I was, in, I was trying to think of a slang term, a funny one, but it didn't come to mind. But anyways... This, it's just stupid. It's just stupid how you, whichever way you want to look at it, they're just fucking dumb, okay? But after this idea of that, you know, the group murdering Mariano, a little scuffle kind of broke out against, you know, Mariano, Fabio, and the Beasts of Satan. So what happened was they grabbed um, Mariano. I couldn't think of her name for a second. They grabbed Mariano, and Fabio tried saving his girlfriend, you know try to get her away from the group but unfortunately the other members reached Fabio before he could get to his girlfriend and they beat him to death with a hammer and that is brutal that would be a brutal way to die thankfully for his girlfriend she got you know she didn't suffer as bad but being beat with the fucking hammer would be awful because I feel like it'd take like three, four, five strikes, right? And that shit would be painful, okay? So they beat him with the hammer, and after the other half of the group pinned down his girlfriend, she was stabbed 
with a knife through the chest and straight into her heart, ultimately killing her. Okay? Now, once Mariano and Fabio were both killed, one of the members, you know, of Beasts of Satan, named Nicola Sapone, ritualistically shoved a chestnut down their throats. Then he grabbed a cigarette, dipped it in their blood, smoked it, and then declared to the rest of the group, Now you're both zombies. Try and get out of this hole if you dare. Then, after that, their lifeless corpses were thrown into a hole, still fully clothed, where they rested for six fucking years. And it's at this point in the story where we get a new member, a new person, well, two new people, actually, to join the story, you know, two protagonists that never gave up. It's Fabio's dad, I think you say Michelle, I think it's Michelle. I think it's Michelle. I'm going to say Michelle. Sorry if it's disrespectful, but I think it's Michelle. Fabio's dad, Michelle Tolis. And after his son went missing, he reported it to the Italian authorities. And they basically told him, that sucks, you know. He ran away with his girlfriend, like, whatever, we can't do anything about it. And that's when his dad... Michelle decided to go on like this half long decade like search for his lost boy because he didn't believe the story whatsoever and he even got his son's girlfriend's mom involved with this search too. So Michelle Tolis and Lisa Mariano, Fabio's girlfriend's mom, searched for their missing kids for six years trying to get, you know, the authorities to investigate their children's disappearance. But unfortunately for them, their cries for help basically fell on deaf ears. And in well, and in an interview with an Italian blogger, Michelle explained in like great detail on how he searched for his son when the authorities refused to listen. This dude, this dad did the right thing, didn't give up whatsoever. He made sure that, you know, everybody, he wanted to get, he, he went all Liam Neeson's on him, right, from Taken. He's like, I will find you and I will kill you. That's how he did it. He went all Liam Neeson's on these motherfuckers, right? So, he told, you know, this fucking, like, blogger just a bunch of shit. Like, he, he told her, or him, it didn't say who it was, but him him or her, I began to get involved with the heavy metal nightlife. And from there I met musicians. <laughs> That's funny, musicians. I like that. Musicians, you know, just fans. But they would turn out to be the same guys years later who were revealed as my son's killers. Some rumors circulated about the presence of of a satanic section, but I didn't take those rumors seriously. Michelle would also go on to describe how he would, you know, place leaflets in all the fanzines in hopes that somebody or just someone or a group of people would know or help him find his son's body. He also started going to metal festivals 
and was making connections with people that knew Fabio and his girlfriend. Fabio's dad even documented all of the relationships he uncovered and by 2004, Michelle was so familiar with the metal scene in North Italy that he knew just about every person who could have recalled meeting his son. But unfortunately for Michelle, you know, and Lisa, the truth still wouldn't come out for another couple of months, right? This dad really went that's crazy. I don't know if he just had a lot of time on his hands or if he just dropped everything and helped the son. Like, that's fucking insane. I hope the universe, you know, presented him with good things because that man deserves it. Not a lot of people would do that. I would say a very, very select few would even think about going to do that, right? Because, I mean, you see it in the true crime shows. They just sit at the house and just hope the police find something, you know? But he ref- he didn't he didn't take no shit. He was like, hell no, I'm not doing this, you know? And he went out and he searched and searched and searched, 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 searched. I can't talk today. My throat fucking hurts. So it's kind of just eh. But it's okay. All right. I'm here telling you guys a beautiful story. All right. So now these first two murders aren't the only ones that the beasts of Satan committed. They committed a lot. Like a lot, a lot. And I will tell you in a second, all right? And when they decided to murder, like their third murder charge that they caught was a person named, a female, and her name was Mariangela Pizzotta. I think that's how you say it. And that's when they actually got caught. But, but we'll get, I'm going to tell you how many people that are allegedly attached to them that they didn't get charged with, okay? There, there's a lot of fucking people. Alright, so just get ready for this, okay? Now, this group has been linked to, like, murders and, get this, suicides. And I don't mean like, you know, like, oh, some of the members committed suicides. No, I mean like they would persuade people to kill themselves. They would bully people into killing themselves. And they did this for a six-year span, right? 23-year-old construction worker Christian Frigorero, I think that's how you say it, and he was allegedly a former member of the Beasts of Satan, and he just went missing one day. And he went missing on November 14th, 1996, and hasn't been found yet. All right? 21-year-old Andrea, Andrea, Andrea Bellerin, I think that's how you say it, Andrea Bellerin, a childhood friend of Volpe, was found hanging in a school that they both attended on May 7th, 1998. Another person was a 28-year-old man named Angelo Lombardo, a caretaker at the Legnano Cemetery and an acquaintance to some of the members of the Beasts of Satan. And he was found burned alive in the same exact cemetery that he happened to work at on December 14th, 1999. And on top of that, I'm not going to list them all, but on top of that, there's three other murders that have been linked to Volpe and his murder cult. But like I said, they were never charged with those 14 other murders because there just wasn't enough evidence to fully connect, you know, the group to those murders. But 
there is speculation that they did commit 14 murders, excluding the three that they got charged with and, you know, suicides around that too, right? But let's get back to the story a little bit more, you know. I gave you a little bit of background too, so let's just let's let's take it back to present time, all right? Well, not present time, but like present time in the story, okay? This third murder that they were convicted of was the murder of I'm going to fuck it up again, Mariangela Pizzotta. I think I nailed that one. Now, on J- 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 January 24th, 2004, Andre Volpe and, you know, his 18-year-old girlfriend, Elizabetta Belairon, they went to murder Volpe's ex-girlfriend, Pizzotta. Now, the reason Andre and Elizabetta murdered Pizzotta was because she knew that the group murdered Fabio and Mariano. And they feared because she knew too much. She knew too much about the group and all of their heinous crimes that they were committing. They were afraid that they, you know, she was going to snitch on them. She was going to tell the cops about everything. So out of fear, Volpe and Elisabetta shot Pizzotta in the neck. And unfortunately for Pizzotta, she did not die from it. And I say unfortunately because how she does die is awful. Way worse. Like, biggest fear for a lot of fucking people, okay? After they realized that she did not die and they they just got scared and they didn't know what to do, so they frantically called another cult member, Nicholas Sapone, all right? And as they called him, Sapone was extremely upset, like, how can you not kill somebody? He's like, I'll be there, I'll fucking do it myself. You pieces of shit, this is bullshit. I should not have to help you guys murder somebody. So, Sapone linked up with Volpe and Elisabetta, and the trio then hatched a plan to take Pizzotta back to Eliza. I hate this name. I'm sorry if your name's, like, it is so difficult to say, but, like, Elisabetta, I can't. I sound so cringy probably saying it, but it's such a weird name. No disrespect to any Elisabettas out there, but it's, I, it's difficult for me to say. It's hard. I don't know why it's hard, but it's just one of those words, okay? But they decided to take Pizzotta back to her parents' house that was located in Goliseca, which is just another small town attached to Soma Lombardo. And once they reached Elisabetta's house, they all took Pizzotta to the greenhouse on that property. And this is where Pizzotta met her really, really twisted fucked up death, alright, once they entered the greenhouse, Sapone then grabbed a shovel, and they laid her down, and Sapone beat the absolute shit out of Pizzotta, just until she was on the brink of death, she didn't die, but she was like, about to, and after that, they then decided to bury Pizzotta alive in that greenhouse, and after that, now that Pizzotta's dead, Sapone, he just got in his car and he went back home and acted like nothing even happened. However, for Volpe and Elisabetta, they had other plans. They had a different idea. First, like Sapone, 
they went home and hung out just for a little bit, you know, clear their conscience of this murder that they just committed. While Volpe and Elisabetta were at, you know, the house, they decided to take heavy doses of cocaine and heroin. That is like a liquid heart attack. I don't know how they didn't fucking die from that, but that is insane. Okay. After they were done, you know, doing drugs, they then decided that it was a wonderful idea to go, you know, destroy some evidence while being completely destroyed by drugs. And in this case, the evidence was Pizzotta's car. So after deciding to go destroy this evidence, they left their house and reached Pizzotta's car. Once they reached Pizzotta's car, they decided to drive they were like, well, I don't want to torch it. I don't know why they just didn't torch it, but they're like, well, let's go drive it into a river. And there happened to be a nearby river. So they got into her car and they headed to said river. And once they started to approach said river, well, not once, but like on their way to the river, they got into a massive car accident. Not like a massive one, but they got into a car accident and they got arrested for a DWI. Now, as they were being arrested and taken to the station, the police noticed. Police are smart, okay, kids? Don't fuck with the police. The police are smart. And they noticed that the car wasn't registered to either of them. So the cops started pressing them and, you know, asking them what happened. Why are you not in, why are you in somebody else's car? And as Volpe and Elisabetta were getting pressed, they broke and told them everything. They confessed to the murders of Fabio and Mariano and Pizzotta. They ratted out six other members that were also involved with these murders. They also talked about the satanic rituals that they, you know, commenced. And this claim was backed up because when the cops went to search Mariano's house, you know, after she initially went missing, they found skulls, black candles, just a bunch of witchcraft shit. And on the night that Fabio and Mariano were murdered, some witnesses started coming out and saying that they saw candles burning on the night that they were murdered. Now, once everyone was caught and once everyone was interrogated, they were locked up until their court date. On February 22, 20, not 22, February 22nd, 2005, Andre Volpe and Guerreri, I don't think that's how you say it, but we're going to roll with it, were sentenced to 30 and 16 years in prison. But Volpe did, however, get a lighter sentence because he did cop a plea deal like a little bitch and showed the police where he buried, you know, the bodies. Mario Marciano also confessed to being a part of these murders, but on this specific day, on February 22nd, he was cleared due to his secondary role in these crimes. Okay, now everybody else. All five other members 
they had to wait for their court date, and their court date didn't come until 2006. Now, Nicola Sapone was given a life sentence because the court system, court system, God, you guys, I can't fucking speak. Court system saw him as a mastermind basically behind these crimes. And they saw him as the guy that carried this shit out, right? Paolo Leone, Marco Zampolo, Eros Monteroso, and Elisabetta Bellerin were all given 24 to 26 years in prison. But in 2007, Paolo Leone's sentence was appealed and went from 26 years to life. Marco Zampoli's sentence was appealed and he went from 26 years to 29 years. Eros Monteroso's case was also appealed and went from 24 years to 27 years. And Elisabetta Belair's sentence was again appealed and went from 24 years to 23 years. So they got locked away. All of them got locked away for a decent amount of time, right? And out of these eight killers, Andre and Elisabetta, as of right now, as of what I could fucking find, I it didn't really, sometimes these, when you do research on some of these international cases, they don't give you a whole lot, and if they do, it's in fucking Italian or their native language, and it's fucking difficult, and I'm too lazy to go through the whole process of, what is it, like, figuring out what it is in English, but as of today, as of what I could find, Andre and Elisabetta are the only ones that are out of prison, and they both claim to be done with, you know, satanic rituals and trying to make something, you know, out of what they have left. But who knows? Who knows? They might still be casting little weird witch spells. That was almost a tongue twister. But yeah, it's fucked up. Satanic rituals. I don't know why people want to get into the dark arts like that, bro. Don't do that. It's so weird. Have you ever had a demon attached to you? This shit's not fun. Petrifying. You don't want that. They're like cockroaches, right? And I know they can hear me. They're just like fucking cockroaches. They just are annoying. They like, they like the little brother. And just keeps pulling on your like. If you're a mom, this this is a better analogy. If you're a mom and you have that one kid, or the Stewie Griffin thing, where it's like, mom, 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 that that's what they're fucking like, and it's so fucking annoying. And you get so fed up with them. So I don't know why people want to dabble with the dark arts. Yes, if you do it, you'd be like, oh, I want fame and fortune. You know, the whole devil's deal and stuff like that. But dude, really? Really? Do you want that? Hmm? Do you? Do you? Right? You could do it the hard way and it's more gratifying. Right? That's what I would do. That's what I'm doing. It's more fun that way. You gotta love the grind. If you don't love the grind and you want everything handed to you, you're not gonna get it. That's just how it works. But... That is the end of the story on these two fucking weirdos, alright? Um, yesterday, did the interview. It went swimmingly. It's a good episode. I think you guys are going to like it. Um, it's going to come out October 30th on 12. I didn't mean to say on. I meant at 12 p.m. Central Time because that's where I am. Midwest, baby. Shout out. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, I'm still making my cover arts. God, they're fucking sexy. 
They're so fucking sexy. You guys are going to love them. Trust me. You're like, oh my God, you made these? I'm going to be like, yeah, I fucking made them. I'm professional, baby. Relax. All right. That was cringy. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? This Wednesday, going to have another episode with Gabby on. Um, didn't have one last Wednesday just because busy. Um, she was moving to a new apartment, stuff like that. So we're not going to, we didn't do one, but this week coming out is going to be on McKamey Manor. God, I fucking hate that guy. So it's going to be fun. We're just going to talk shit about him and how much of a piece of shit he is. What else? What else? What else? Um, horror movie, Polaroid, this Thursday. It's on Hulu. It's really, really good. I suggest you go out and watch it so you know kind of what I'm talking about on this Thursday. But, yeah, that's good. That's that's a good story. It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Um, What else? What else? What else? I'm trying to think of what we're doing next weekend. I got to look here. Hold on. Give me a second. I think... Oh, it's going to be a story on kids, you know, eating, fucking, like, having razor blades in their candy and stuff like that. Or poison in their candy. I'm going to do a story on that. Um, I forgot the guy's name, but it's going to be a good one. Trust me. Trust me. What else? That's basically about it. If you want to, you know, follow me on Instagram, Dusty McBalls is my, not my main channel, but that's my personal. If you want to follow the Rainy Day Horror Show, that is the, you know, platform, not platform, but Instagram that I'm on the most. Instagram profile. I can't speak. Um, yeah, and you can just DM me random shit. Tell me how your day is going. Tell me, you know, about this horror thing that you have. If you have a horror story, send it to me. All right. Love to fucking share it in an episode. All right. But with that being said, I'm going to let you guys go. So remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. And most importantly, the most important thing on this planet, stay safe, you beautiful peacocks. I love y'all. Deuces.